Welcome to the Teachers Podcast in association with Classroom Secrets, the podcast that's here to help teachers. Whether it's discussing the latest issues in education or sharing top tips for use in the classroom, if you work in education or want to know more about the sector, then this is the podcast for you. Now, please welcome your host, former teacher, life-work balance advocate and successful business owner, Claire Riley. Hi everyone and thank you for listening. In this episode, I remotely interviewed Ben Cooper, founder of Wagol Teaching and vice principal of an international school in Dubai. Dubai was very quick to close schools and launch online learning, so I was keen to discover how it is working there to see what we could learn from a system that was more readily set up to switch to remote learning. Ben describes how his school are delivering live lessons every day and making it sustainable for both teachers and pupils. I'm sure you're dying to know what Ben has to say, so let's get to the interview. Ben, thank you so much for joining me on the Teachers Podcast today. Thank you very much. It's nice to speak with you. Um, so we're, the time zones aren't too different because you're in Dubai. Um, yeah. But it, I did start this podcast at 6am. Um, <laughs> thankfully for you, it's only 9. <laughs> very fortunate. I'm on the, the correct end of the time, time difference. This is it. I do get up early, so that's fine. Um, but yeah, so we've managed to um, merge our schedules. So one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because I know that you've been doing a lot to do with um, home learning. And that's something that we're, we're talking a lot about at the moment because the whole world yeah. is home learning. Um, yeah, absolutely. So before we get into that, do you want to tell me just everything about you, who you are, um, how you got here today? Okay, so um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always difficult talking about your full, full, full story and journey because it's it's uh, it's got lots of different bits to it in terms of where I am personally, in terms of moving to Dubai, etc. But also in terms of literacy waggle and waggle teaching. So um, I'm Ben Cooper, and I um, founded Waggle Teaching and Literacy Waggle. Create those two websites. Um, in my day job, I'm a vice principal of an international school in Dubai. Uh, and then I, kind of the side side kind of project is that Waggle Teaching and Literacy Waggle, which are two kind of educational websites. Um, it started, I think, about 10 years ago now, which is scary saying it out loud. Um, when I was back in the UK, so I'm originally from Manchester and I um, was a year six teacher. And it was just after the SATs had kind of uh, taken out the writing SATs and it was all about ed- evidence gathering. And uh, when everything changes, obviously, you kind of, try and look at research etc but you also find yourself as a teacher just trying to almost trying to make it up as you go along really and the question was is how do we get all these children uh, to write lots of different uh, types of text and styles of text and, uh, and and include all the features that are needed to assess them so um, I found myself in the evenings writing what called like waggle text that you know teachers are very familiar with in terms of trying to teach children what all the features would look like in a condensed version um, that they could then kind of replicate in their own creative way, but sh- demonstrate the skills that they need to in order for us to assess them and, um, and, and get them some great results, really. And so I found myself writing lots of texts, and I did kind of ask my year partners, like, why, why are we doing this? Why am I creating so much content rather than ne- not necessarily teaching? And I think there is a, a, a interesting aspect that a lot of our teachers currently are kind of content creators rather than teachers, you know, we create content. Um, for teach uh, for children to absorb rather than trying to figure out the best way to teach it and um and so i, I started pop, popping them on a website at literacy waggle basically which was just a simple website where all of my texts were on and then i started getting contacted by other teachers saying oh i quite like to, to contribute to this can i add my um you know waggle text on there and uh, and so it's kind of snowball from there really and i know now we've got a website of about uh, about 400 texts, all different genres, all categorised for people to access. And, and the most important thing is I've kept them in Word format so the teachers can freely download them and edit them and tweak them to suit um, to suit their class and the kids and the things that they're trying to teach, basically. Um, and then in my personal life, um, I moved out to Dubai with my, my wife uh, and my role kind of evolved over time so I came in as a teacher I've been here for six years and slowly I took over the head of teacher and learning role in the primary school and then building up now to being a vice principal and I suppose 
over that time, I expanded the type of things that I was interested in in education, because obviously, rather than just focus on kind of teaching in one class and a passion for kind of literacy, I had to focus on a wider range of kind of aspects of teaching and then actually developed a passion for uh, kind of the everyday teaching that's not subject specific. Uh, that personability with students, that kind of humanistic side of education as well is really important. And so I started blogging about it on Literacy Waggle and then it did seem like it quite fit really. So I kind of branched out and created the overall umbrella of uh, Waggle teaching, which is kind of what a good one looks like, great ideas for teaching. Um, and and I, I purposely wanted to make it Waggle teaching, not Waggle teacher, because it's nothing to do with me. It's just me sharing ideas that I've witnessed in classrooms, both in my school, on the internet, and social media, and just gathering all the best bits, really, and sharing them out in, in one consistent way. So, uh, and, and that's, I suppose, where I am now. So I, I create vlogs, um, kind of sharing simple tips, because I'm aware that people can kind of access them nice and quickly on YouTube. I also pop that out on a podcast, so that eight-minute podcast with the same kind of content. Uh, and then I write blogs as well and, and share ideas via the website as well. So Very good. What's the name of your podcast? Uh, it's just Waggle Teaching at the moment, fairly straightforward. So it's just Waggle Teaching. Um, mm-hmm. And it's literally just, I take the YouTube clip and I audio it down, uh, turn, change it to an audio file and pop it on podcast. So it's, I suppose, trying to make the content as accessible as possible. You know, when you're driving to work, you can't watch a YouTube video, but you can stick on a podcast. Yeah. An eight minute drive to work might give you a few top tips for the day of how you can implement yeah. small little things in your, uh, in, into yeah. your classroom. That's what when we um, obviously we're not filming it now because we're doing this remotely, um, but we, it is the same. It's the same content, yeah, on YouTube and also on the podcast. All right. Um, do you think? Um, do you think you'll stay in Dubai? Um, well, I originally came out for two years, and it's now six years down the line. So uh, I think it's one of those places where people come out thinking, "Oh yeah, I'll come out for a few years, etc." But I think there's different levels to Dubai. Obviously, when you come out, you, you go out in, as kind of a, a tourist, really. You're like, oh, yeah, it'd be great to do this and do all the tourist things. And then actually you discover that after two years, it's your it's your kind of second home. You know, I came out with my wife. We now have a child. Um, we live in, not in an apartment now. We live in a, uh, like a townhouse. And so we kind of set up home here. And, and I've really enjoyed being part of my school. Um, it, it just It was a newly open school when I arrived. So I've really have kind of a close connection to it and feel like I've been able to mold its development because it was only in its second year when it when I started and so we really had the freedom to kind of create the school and build it up to what we wanted it to be rather than kind of coming to a school that's well established and and, and trying to fit yourself into their mold. Um, So at the moment not looking to go home Um, obviously the weather helps as well I do like the sunshine coming from Manchester you know it's a bit bit rainy sometimes so we do have a <laughs> I feel like we have a, a, a bit more outside time etc um so yeah who knows really I think perhaps rather than coming home it might be looking at a different international school uh, possibly in Europe I think Dubai is about, about as far away from home as we would get I was speaking to you the other day and it's only a six hour flight mm. back home so if you really need to get home you know there's some areas in the UK that it'd be six hours to get back to Manchester so uh, really, it's it's no different than living in in, in a, the opposite end of the country in the UK. Really, you know, you hop on a flight, you're home within uh, eight hours. Do you, Do you have any advice for anyone thinking about teaching abroad? Um, I I mean, I would just say go for it. Really, I think I think if you, I think I think particularly, well, I came out of university. Um, and I'd gone kind of gone through I had this sudden I, thought, I don't know what it wasn't a midlife crisis but I suppose it was the end of education crisis where I you know you go you primary school you do secondary school you go to college then you go to university and then because I, I was I had suddenly realized that I was going to go back into teaching so I was literally going to spend all my time in education which is fantastic but at the same time I was like but what about other things you know what about you know going going abroad what about traveling and all this I, mean, I never really had the opportunity to do those things um and so when my, my it was my wife who really started the idea and said you know I quite like to teach abroad for two years I was like well let, let's do it and I'd done three years of teaching she was she just completed her NQT year and we're, we were ready to go so I think just go for it really I think ultimately it's a two-year contract um, so if you really you know re- really find out that it's not for you at least you have that experience then to come back uh, you can you can quite easily do that so I think 
it, it's that kind of now or never type thing. I think, you know, once you are, we have a family and your children, etc., it does make it much more difficult to do. Yes. So I would advise yes. if everyone is thinking about doing it, I would just say, have a look into it. Um, there's usually kind of open days, et cetera, where you can go to education companies that are part, uh, that have connections with international schools or indeed the international schools have an open day and you can find out a little bit about it and, and, um, and get some details on, on how those schools operate, et cetera. And then I would just say, you know, if, if it's something that you're looking to do, uh, go and do it. And then, and, and, and then you don't miss that opportunity because it, it does, I'm sure, you know, as soon as you have a family, it does make it a lot more difficult to open yes. up and move. It, move makes, it makes everything more difficult. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I am. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be honest, now we're the opposite, you know, we're in Dubai, we've got a seven month old and, uh, it's going to be difficult moving back home because obviously yes. everything's here at the moment. So yeah. yeah. So the teachers in your school then, um, where are they all from? So we're a British curriculum school. So uh, we don't do IB. We do the British curriculum, well, the English English curriculum. It's referred to as the British curriculum, but um, obviously it's the, the curriculum yeah. of England. So. Yeah. Um, so all of our, our teachers, uh, 95% of them are, are British, uh, Irish, um, but we do have a few teachers that were uh, kind of supposed have always been in the international context. So have studied and, and have QTS, but are perhaps South African or Australian. Yeah. Um, and so they, they, they have married somebody from a different country. And so, you know, I've got a, a teacher who's South African, but her husband's German. And so they decide that kind of the halfway point is Dubai. So they live in Dubai yeah. and she's trained to be a British curriculum teacher. She's got QTS, etc. And so teachers in our schools. So you do find that there's a, a diverse of different um, yeah, different yeah. teachers but because we're international British uh, curriculum uh, majority of our teachers are from are from the UK yeah so that does give people a lot of hope as well because I do think it's kind of this um, elusive thing to oh it'll be better abroad but we don't really know how to get there and mm. and it's, it's one of the questions that I feel like is asked a lot especially on the Facebook groups like yeah. how, do, how do I teach abroad and I, I did do um an episode a couple of months back because um somebody that works at classroom secrets with us did actually teach in thailand mm. um for a while so she did an episode um i think it, it's it's definitely an interesting one and i think there's a lot of jobs out there really isn't there yeah definitely and it's a it's a it's a lot simpler than it it, it appears you know moving abroad etc because obviously as an international school they're used to uh, bringing people out and they want to make it as easy as possible because obviously you make it more difficult and people are going to go oh and you know it's too much too much too, too much work etc so I, even i was surprised i mean i remember being uh, sat home and i'd I, I knew we wanted to move up abroad so i'd moved back in with my uh, mum and dad for for six six months and i hadn't actually told them i had an interview for an international position i i just said i had an interview because I didn't want to worry them because I wasn't sure where I wanted to go. So I had the Skype interview and you sit there and, two, you know, the head teacher and the, the vice principal at the time popped up and you have a, you know, your, your hour um, interview. Uh, and then about a day later, I got an email saying, congratulations, we'd like to offer you a teaching post in Dubai. Uh, you know, really excited about the prospect. Um, sign a contract. And the contract was attached and, the, and there you go. And I was like, but I've not really discussed this properly with yeah, anyone yeah. else than my uh, than my wife, and uh, I've got and, to and move now. I've got to move. That's it. So I, I remember coming, I coming home from work and just say, "Mom, Dad, um, just so you know, the interview, you know, it, it's 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 not in the UK. It's uh, it's in the Middle East, and uh, you know, they kind of they kind of jaw drops. It's like, what? Okay, uh, right? And I said, yeah, I've been offered a contract. And then obviously I said, you know, something I really want to do. And they were really happy, et cetera. But I signed the contract and then literally everything pretty much is taken care of yourself. You have to attest a few documents in terms of like your degree and stuff like that. But other than that, your flights get booked for you. Uh, your visa gets organized. You just send off like your passport, a photocopy of passport and you, you dock a few documents and stuff and everything's done for you. And next minute, your flight tickets are emailed over. And before you know it, you're packing and, and getting ready to go. And obviously the, the whole travel packs and everything, like what to bring and everything all gets supplied. And um, 
yeah, next minute you're in Dubai. I mean, I, I mean, I didn't necessarily absolutely know where Dubai was until I'd actually got the job. I knew it was in the Middle East, but I did have to get a map out afterwards and go, right, where am I actually moving to? Because uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it all happened so quickly, and it does. I think it sounds like a complicated uh, move, but especially if you're, you know, you're young, um, you've not got any kind of ties at home in terms of, you know, pets or children or, or all those different things, then it is quite easy to just kind of, you know, within six months, be signed contract and end up in the middle of Dubai teaching. It's, it's a bit crazy how quickly it comes. You, you're definitely selling it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Can I go now, but not take my children? <laughs> well, there you go. It's it. And funny enough, some people do, you know, it's interesting. Some, um, some couples, you know, obviously the, the husband can't come, etc. But you know, the wife just says, "This is something I really want to do," and uh, they come out. And obviously, every six weeks you have a half term, and they just book a flight and come home. You know, and it's something you know. And a credit to them, you know, it, it must be challenging, but at the same time, it, you know, it's a great opportunity. And because Dubai is only six six hours away, it's feasible to kind of go right half term on your home for a week and yeah. see and see the family, and then and then pop back out and. And, you know, you finish early in the summer, so you get two months off in the summer. So it's um, it's attractive for, you know, for people who do have children as well. So you're very welcome out any time. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I just, just like six weeks into lockdown now, I'm starting to feel it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think we all need to. Uh, I did say the other day that we'd have a have a staycation and we'll go to the spare room, put like chocolates on the pillow and uh, like a swan towel, those type of things, just to, <laughs> so it feels like we're getting away. And just hope the baby doesn't wake up. <laughs> Oh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, right. Okay. Let's so let's talk about um, home learning because that's technically what we're here to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So you've been doing this for longer than we have in the UK. So tell me what happened when when the government announced that schools would be closing. How did that all go down? What did you do as a school? Okay. So obviously in Dubai, it was a, it was a quite interesting time because. Um, there wasn't that many uh, cases, etc. But um, ultimately, I think they took the decision to uh, basically bring spring break forward. So they said, right, we're just going to go in spring break now. I think it was um, uh, in March, uh, beginning, in the middle of March. Uh, we'd only just had two weeks. We'd come back for two weeks after half term, and then and then we went back on spring break. So that was a bit bizarre. But basically, what that gave schools was enough time to prepare for this remote learning. So the teachers went away for a break, etc. And schools could then form a policy. So, as a vice principal, we spent a lot of time forming policy. Now, obviously, a lot, uh, you know, ninety percent of schools in Dubai are fee paying. Right? The companies of of employees will pay for the fees for the school, and so. But with that, obviously, comes a lot of high high expectations in terms of what we want to offer for children, and and also for many of our. our uh, parents, you know, they have quite high profile jobs, you know, they, they work in Dubai for oil companies or, 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 or you know, in high profile businesses. And so they're, they're extremely busy and also lead very important roles themselves. And so it was very important for us as a school to deliver a high quality source of, you know, form of remote learning. So we spent those two weeks researching, and I suppose we are in a fortunate position where we could turn to international schools in China and Hong Kong and other places where they've been going through this since January and look at what the best practice and, and research a little bit, make a few contacts and then form our remote learning. And then after those two weeks, uh, remote learning began, uh, but what we did is we slowly staggered it out. So we, we filtered things. The first day we started releasing things on Seesaw. So for primary school, our, uh, a lot of our remote learning lessons are delivered by Seesaw. It's quite structured. It's familiar with students already in school. And so we start delivering those. And then we introduced some live sessions. So actually, our school, we have been quite ambitious in the fact that our teachers are delivering three li uh, four live sessions a day. Uh, but 15 minutes into 15 minute intervals over the day. So one in the morning, one mid morning, one just in the afternoon, and one at the end of the day. Um, they're just, they're just 15 minutes long, aren't they? 15 minutes. So it's just a chance for the, the teacher just to do an input to check that all the children are, you know, safe first of all, formation, you know, as you would do in school, to check in on them, check in on the well-being, etc. And then also um, and then and then do some teaching, you know. So we have a maths input where they do play some maths games, etc. Use things like cahoots and those types of things to really hook the children in and give them as much of an experience for, of in school as you can, kind of online. And we do that with English as well, and then um, science, and uh, and then the last lesson of the day is a story time. So the story time, 
uh, 15 minutes where the, the teachers just sit and, and read a, a novel as they would do in school. And, and we've received some lovely pictures from the kids sat on their beds or sat on the sofa, curled up with a cuddly toy or whatever, and just listening to a teacher read a story. And, and it's those type of moments, really, that I think are most important about remote learning because it's that humanistic element. You know, it's, you know, learning is really important, but, you know, the children still need to develop that understanding of, you know, connection and make connections with people. And, and that's a, it's really lovely to see. Um, and for our Arabic and Islamic students as well, so part of the, the live sessions, they'll also have a, a, a live Arabic on Islamic session as well. So it's compulsory for all children to learn Arabic as we're in Dubai, an Arabic-speaking country. So all the children learn it, either as a native speaker or as like a, a modern foreign language. Um, and then our Muslim students also have Islamic lessons as well. Um, so yeah, there's just great times where those live sessions just to really connect with the teacher and just get some kind of you know, in live interactions with the students, which I think is really important. How do, you, how do you feel your teachers are coping then with the uh, live sessions? Have you got any teachers who have got young children at home? Yeah, absolutely. Um, um, it's, it's difficult, but I, I mean, again, bringing that humanistic side, as we did say, you know, the reason why we made them just 15 minutes, there are some schools who have opted for longer, and I think that's mm. a little bit too much for all of our staff members. Um, but we did say, you know, if the, if the child comes in and wants to sit in the lap and sit them on the lap, you know, we're all at home, we're all in this in this situation yeah. at the same time. And it's important for our children to recognise, I suppose, what our teachers are doing to, yeah. to support their education and what they're kind of um, ha dealing with at home. You know, we're all dealing with these you know disruptions and, 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 and situations that we all have at different times, etc. You know, I've been quite fortunate that my wife actually has taken a, a year off to 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 um look after our uh, seven month old robin um, but she's happy she, about she, that as well now well well exactly and she's a, you know she she's a she's a teacher she was a teacher in year five and it could have been so different where I, you know i'm yeah. rich, you know vice principal of a school and she's got a class and we've got a seven month old it'd have been a, a very different uh, dynamic in the house i'm sure if that was yeah. the, the case and that, so our teachers are in that situation and so it's really important we allow for flexibilities so for some of our teachers, we offer kind of support in terms of, um, you know, making sure that they have kind of time off the live sessions, etc. So we've introduced things like Wellbeing Wednesdays, where all of the, the school uh, doesn't have any live sessions for an afternoon. So there's no live sessions. The idea of no screen time. We set children wellbeing activities, like yoga or mindfulness or treasure hunts, whichever. And the idea is they turn off their iPad and they, they spend the, the afternoon off doing things and and that's the same for our teachers who want them to have enjoy the well-being Wednesday with their family as well so uh, we try and make it each deal with each kind of teacher and work with each teacher in an individual case because everyone's in completely different situations yeah. at the same time we also have some teachers you know who moved out to Dubai on their own they're living on their own they're in lockdown actually social regular social interaction is is a benefit for them because they get to interact it keeps them busy and those type of things so there's a whole range of you know spectrum of, of different situations that we we're trying to support okay and um, what do you think are the three most important things to do during this home learning period um you, you talk about students or, or just in general just in general i think to make sure you're dedicated some time uh, for yourself whether that be exercise and physical activity or whether it just be reading or um, accessing an online course whichever I think it's really important and actually a, a unique opportunity to actually find yourself to have that little bit of time and space where you can kind of go right you know what I'm going to do something a little bit different because I can't go out and do this and I can't go out and do that or distract myself doing this I can actually just spend some time on me and I think something that will come out of this will be the fact that people perhaps will be more self-aware of looking after yourself um, and how important that is because I think perhaps people will have realised, well, I never used to have this time. Why did I not used to have this time to just look after me? Um, uh, yeah, and I think, I think that's one thing that potentially will come out as a positive. So, but, you know, we try and encourage that for the children to make sure they're dedicating time to themselves, to more wellbeing Wednesdays or you know, offering physical activities to complete and we increase that within our students as well I think the live interaction is really important um, even if you're not in school I think for anybody making time to get on zoom or get get you know get on the phone to somebody have a chat it's really important you know I had a lovely conversation with my uh, Robin's great grandparents my my grandparents who only now have just got Skype etc so I never used to be able to do this but because of the situation it's forced them to get Skype 
yeah. and uh, I've been able to speak to her for the first time over over the internet, which has been incredible. And it, I think that's re- you know, it's really important for people to have that opportunity to still have that human interaction because you know for many of my teachers who are living on their own out here with no family members you know six 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 hours away and of course they can't get a flight at the moment just to go home um, it's really important to make sure that they use you know doing that i think at least once a day you know chatting to people on, online and, and having that human interaction um and then a third one i think um it's difficult really because there's so many little bits and pieces you know talks about looking after yourself and, and and speaking to each other and I think um, as much as possible, I think it's trying to keep normality as well. I think that's, I think for our children, that's really important is to try and make sure that our students feel that life is still going on, that everything is ticking along. Because if, if sort of everything does just stop, um, it's quite, a, I suppose it's a scary prospect for adults, you know, the thought of, uh, when it first started, you know, the thought of no shopping and no food being delivered and all this kind of thing is quite a scary prospect. Mm-hmm. And that the act that you know, life does continue and people continue to the normalities is really important for your well-being. But in particular, if that's for, for adults, for our children, that's even more important in the fact that our, you know, that some some of our children, especially our youngest, will not quite understand what's going on. And for one second, they're with the teacher who's looking after him, someone that they love, and then someone that they really want to interact with. The next minute, they don't see them at all. For months upon end, it's quite a, a, a strange concept to get your head around as a child. And so those live sessions when they get to see their teacher and they get to interact and ask them questions and listen to them, etc., is really important. And I think that kind of summarises that trying to keep things as normal as possible, even if we're very, you know, extraordinary time um, trying to keep those routines and things going is really important for the kids yeah thank you and um, no, do you have any ideas of when you'll be going back um, so we the the, the the government announced that we're not going to go back till september well september they've said that they, they, we won't be back in school to the end of end of uh, this year the year is going to close with remote learning um, so all tests and exams and et cetera have been cancelled and it's just a matter of, of, of continuing remote learning through to the summer. And then I think we're, obviously it will be reviewed over the summer to see where we're at um, in terms of is everything else. So it's going to be quite interesting because normally everyone leaves Dubai because it's getting quite hot now. I think today it was 30 degrees, so it's starting to ramp up a little bit. And so usually by July, um, when it's you know, summer holidays, everyone actually leaves Dubai and kind of goes back to home, see family, or they go, go abroad and they go to various areas of the, the world and the children do as well. You know, they always go back home to their kind of home countries to see family and friends. Uh, but of course, you know, that might not necessarily be the case. So it might be quite different over the next, next uh, over this summer um, and see what's happening. And of course, leading to September, the same issues that UK are going through is just, just discussing, you know, how, if when are we going to open schools safely and you know and, uh, we'll wait kind of guidance from from the government as to that in in dubai as i'm sure you are in the uk yeah we're just we're still waiting <laughs> so I, I, we can't make um any judgments i don't think because i don't think oh. any, nobody really knows and obviously no. we're looking around the world at all these different things but there are so many factors at play as well yeah. Um, and we can look at countries and say, well, they've done this well and they haven't done this well. But until it plays out a bit more yeah. um, for those countries that have done well, we don't really know. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, from a personal perspective, I think I adopted the the idea of just take every day as it comes because we're in such a, a different time that things were changing every day. And actually, you know, as a, as a school leader trying to prepare, you know, one day it was that, you know, we had a kind of series of, well, you know, when you come back after spring break, the teachers are allowed in school, but the children aren't, aren't allowed in school. And then it was the teachers aren't allowed in school, but leadership are allowed in school. And then it was leadership aren't allowed in school. So, and that literally changed over a, over a few days based upon the kind of events happening across the world. So, um, it was quite difficult to start off because you were making a plan and then that plan was going out the window and then new yeah. plan and then next plan. And it was quite difficult. And it was almost getting, you know, it was down, getting on my well-being really. It was just going, you know, how, why, why I, we can't make a plan because it's changing so, so frequently. And then I kind of, I suppose, adopted a mentality. I can't remember where I picked it up. Just saying, just take every day for what it is just accept it and then and, and move on and, and try not to plan too far ahead. And obviously it's really important yeah. to still strategize and think about what we might do in six weeks time. 
uh, you know, we just had a parent-teach meet, et cetera, and we planned that, and that went really well. But at the same time, who knows where we'll be in two months' time. So this it's going to be it. very difficult to predict, what, you know, how it works, et cetera. And in some ways, you have to go with worst-case scenario, what's possible, because, um, you know, depending on when schools do go back, I obviously we're all remote working, the 65 of us, but we've got no immediate plans to kind of get everyone back in the office. In a way, it's easier for us to have people working from home yeah, rather than having to yeah. worry about all the social distancing and the masks and the um, hand sanitizer. Yeah. So sometimes it's best to work on worst case scenario. Well, yeah, and you know, and life life is still ticking, ticking, going along. You know, we're still doing okay, and so there's not there's no need to rush it back it's not like things are going terribly you know I do think you know nothing beats being in the classroom with a teacher uh with all you know with all the children with their friends etc but you know at the, the same time um you know life is still going on we're still enjoying ourselves as much as possible and uh, and this new way of living we're, we're getting we're getting used to and so it's just it's just being patient really and going along with it taking every day as it comes as I say and and who knows where we'll be in, in, in a couple of months time yeah Hopefully, hopefully a better place. Um, yeah. So, I so obviously, like you know, we're parents as well, and um, I'm I I feel lucky in some ways because um, I've got a one year old, she's nearly two, and um, and she's just gone far as well. So it doesn't have to be like really formal, but it is difficult to do the work at the same time. So, what kind of advice have you given to parents in your school that? have um children and then they're really trying to do like quite an important job and they're struggling yeah, yeah absolutely uh and that's yeah you've, you've hit the nail on the head really a lot and that's the perfect situation for a lot of our parents you know the reason why they're in Dubai is because they are professionals within whatever field they're in whether it be oil or it or tech um or business finance whatever it might be and so um, very few of our parents have got the time you know to just sit at home and, and work with their kids etc so um, for us, um, I, we did. I, th- I mean, first of all, you know, the first few weeks, the parents did find it difficult, and because the children were find it difficult, you know, it's a new way of working. Um, you know, just the independence, they're trying to locate things on seesaw. But uh, we did try and reassure the parents that look, you know, for the first few weeks, things will go wrong, um, and that's just that's just the way it is. Things will go wrong. Children will find things difficult. But give it a few weeks, you know, in our six weeks down the line, the children will, will, will learn. They'll pick up on what to do and, and we'll develop the independence. And we've made like the timetable structured so that they know at eight o'clock it's the third live session. Then at you know, 11 o'clock it's the next live session. So th- there's a routine there now where the students are more independent. So I think the first tip we had with parents was just, you know, take your time, do what you can. And uh, the children will get better at it, being more independent. And we did, we did kind of say, you know, I think to start off with parents were fearing that they, the children was going to fall behind, they were going to, they were going to find it difficult. What happens if they just can't access it? You know, they're just not going to learn for 12, 12, 12 weeks, whatever it might be to, to the end of, uh, to the end of the term. And we did say, you know, no, they, they will start to learn, they will pick up and they will, um, and, and they will start to access the learning more effectively because they'll get into those routines. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why we introduced those touch bases during the day. Um, so the, t- the first tip for parents was just be patient and um, just see how it goes. Do what you can. Your child is not going to not go to university because they've missed three or four weeks of year three um, because they couldn't find the, you know, the informa- you know, find the information, whichever they will catch up. Um, so that was the first one. So the second tip that we wanted our parents to understand is to design even though we kind of set out a timetable saying you know this is when the live session happened this is the subject you do afterwards followed by a PE and then it's your live English and then you do English and then you do you know social studies or whichever um, but we did say that that timetable is in terms of when the lessons will be shared but what the reason why we popped it on Seesaw was because then that way you can access those lessons whenever you like and so if you really can't get the church, you know, if you really can't support your child during that time, then there's no need to because that lesson will always be there. And the teachers recorded the input, et cetera. So, you know, even parents, you know, parents who weren't working as much, who have three children, trying to get all three children to do three different lessons at the same time um, is, is, you know, almost impossible. And so we made it so that we said, look, at the end of the day, 
you do what you can and personalize the timetable for you. So if you can't do your, um, you know, your, your art and design with you ever at this point, then don't, you don't need to do that. That lesson will always be there. You can locate, relocate it back in a few days time or do it a bit later in the day or, ultimately some parents if you're really struggling to get a full curriculum then you just pick the subjects that you know you feel are most valuable to you you know our core subjects here in maths english science and arabic and islamic um so so prioritize them over everything else because ultimately like i say you know a child isn't going to um fail their you know their gcse's because at eight years old they didn't do an art lesson or or, or they, they missed out on design technology but also those skills will be developed throughout their play anyway at home you know yeah. we've got very talented children who play piano uh, but then i can't you know struggling to access the music lesson well just don't do the music lesson your music lesson is going off and practicing your piano um you know your geography or your, your 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 kind of social studies is going off and doing role play you know and going off into the garden and, and exploring etc so you know each we encouraged each family to personalize their experience for themselves and and made it as flexible as possible for them so that they could do that because it is tough for parents it's tough for our teachers who have children so um it's really important to offer as much as possible um but also reassure parents that you can pick and choose a bit of a pick and mixer, really, I suppose, of, of education. Just if I pick the things that you think are most important for your child, because you know your child best. Um, and so, you know, pick the things that are going to have the best impact for them. Um, and that took a lot of time to do, you know, speaking to parents on the phone and just saying, just reassuring them because they were getting worked up, the child were missing subjects, etc. We just said, look, at the end of the day, you do what you can for your family in this time and we'll support you through that. And as soon as the kids get back into school, we'll make sure that they are catching up and, 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 and get back, in, back to where they need to be um, as quickly as possible. Yeah, it's so difficult, isn't it? Because um, I almost feel as well, it's kind of that portion of society that is, that is most affected as well, because um, sometimes the ones that have got really high precious jobs have got a lot of... Um, they've got a lot of expectations on them but then mm. they also have high expectations on their children and they, they yeah. really you know maybe they invest a bit more into the children's education and it's a very <laughs> difficult kind of mix in there it's in, it's incredibly difficult and you know that and that's why uh, you know uh, i think my ceo said you know there is a reason why we have classrooms in schools because if, if remote learning was as effective as as it being in school we wouldn't have school buildings uh, but we do because we know that that's the best place for our children to learn. Um, so it isn't going to be as effective as possible. And so with that comes anxiety about children's progress, etc. But I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, you know, you live to be 90, uh, th a three month period in the child's education is not going to have too much of an impact on their life. And, and, and we do try and reassure our parents in that way, you know, that, that no child is going to fail the GCSEs because they didn't they didn't participate in a few PE lessons or an art lesson that they they missed during remote learning time in, in year three. Mm. So. Do you um what changes do you foresee happening as a result of us having to do such a long period of home learning? Um, changes. I think. I mean, it's a great professional development opportunity for our teachers to be creative with 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 tech. And certainly there's no doubt that, you know, the way that lessons are delivered, combining that in a blended approach with what's going on in schools is certainly going to have a great impact, you know, being able to share learning activities and comment and feedback in certain ways that you can't do necessarily do um, as effectively just by right, right, you know, written feedback, et cetera, is clearly going to have an impact when students go back in because, you know, you know, the beautiful thing about Seesaw, for example, is you can record and uh, record your feedback for children to hear. A lot of our children obviously come from different countries across the world, so they're English language learners. And so being able to record their feedback for them to listen to is really important. But Seesaw actually will translate your written feedback. So you can write something to a child and they can translate it into their own language for them to understand what they need to do next. And I think certainly that use, clever use of technology and those little uh, bytes of, 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 of facilities that, 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 that the digital kind of software etc can provide it certainly will have an impact back in school and um, I also think parent communication is really important you know as I said just this week we've finished a um, 
parent teacher conference where all the, all the teachers met over over zoom and teams uh, with their teach uh, with their with the parents and did a you know parents evening throughout the day and um, for many of our parents again they're biz- businessmen and women and they sometimes they're not in the country to attend these events you know they're traveling or or they're at work they work late etc and so, so some parents did comment that you know the possibility of being able to hop on to zoom or teams or whatever and have a quick chat with their teacher um would would benefit them in terms of communication and and certainly you know i think being able to share things digitally and and easy of access is really important for all our parents whether it be in the uk here but certainly you know in the international context where many of our parents do travel uh, it is something that potentially would be really beneficial in terms of how they can still interact with their and and have a a greater impact with their their child's education do you think children will be using more online tools say in the homework and things uh, potentially yeah i think i think certainly with submitting homework and, and and getting feedback and actually taking their learning home is something that we've we've began to explore already you know um you know CISO is a great opportunity to even take a picture of something you've done in school and take it home show it your parents etc but able to continue to work on it as well you know so many of our children you particularly in year five and six are quite driven and so they they do want to have a little tweak at home and, and have a little play around with things and continue to do activities. So uh, that's a great opportunity for them to be able to do that, you know, with a, with, with a book where the, pet, the teacher has to mark it. The, the book usually has to say in school, they can't really take it home. Whereas they're, they're, they, we have a BYOD in uh, our school, bring your own device, but children bring their own iPad in to learn yeah, with them and yeah. take it home. And again, that blended approach of children be able to go come into school, out of school, to and continue their learning as part of their homework would potentially support, you know, really support their their learning both both in the classroom and outside of the classroom. Um, I'm going to ask you a question now that I ask everyone, but I feel like I need a bit of context first. So, when it comes to life work balance, do you feel um, that it's it's different in Dubai or is it very similar to the, the to the workload that we have in the UK? I, I think it's a misconception that when you go to an international school, particularly in Dubai, that the workload is reduced lots and it, you kind of come out for an easy ride because uh, it's not like that at all. I would probably say that it is equally as challenging. I think it comes with different challenges, I think, um, but one challenge is that way by another. So for a perfect example is that um, KHDA is the, off, the version of Ofsted basically here, uh, but they do a yearly inspection. So you're inspected yearly. Um, for five, for a full week, so they, they arrive on the Sunday, they do some spot checks, and then they'll come in on Monday, and then they go right through to the Thursday, which is the last day in the week in Dubai, um, and that happens annually. And so the pressure of that, obviously, is mm. that you've been inspected every year. However, it becomes a bit more normal in the fact that yeah. you know when offset arrives, you know they've not been for four or five years, and everything's you know they're coming for two days, and those two days matter so much. I would actually here in Dubai, it's five days, which so is quite intense, an intense week, but because it happens every year, you kind of get used to it. And the school is constantly, I suppose, inspection ready, as I suppose that, yeah. that would be the word. Yeah. Um, but what we try and do then, consequently, is make what inspection ready is, looks like kind of more practical and day-to-day, so working more smartly. So we don't ever really feel the need to kind of do lots of things differently just because Ofsted are coming or KHJ are coming. It's actually kind of normality. Yes, you can kind of put your bells and whistles on and, and all those type of things, but um, because it's more normal, you just kind of, uh, you're always kind of at that point where you you know you're ready to be inspected, but consequently it makes you think smarter because obviously you can't be inspection ready all the time, but what you can do is work, do everything really smartly to make sure that when yeah. they do arrive, you, you're always ready. Um, etc so that that's one thing i think um some a lot of schools have four and a half day weeks so you have a sunday through to wednesday uh, with four, four four days but school starts at seven o'clock for, for teachers and then we'll finish after an eca at maybe four half four um but then your thursday is a half day so you finish at one o'clock so you kind of get a two and a half day weekend opposed to a two-day weekend and a four and a half day working week but the week the working hours are much longer so it, you know for every pro there's a there's a kind of uh, a kind of slight disadvantage and a difference etc um 
you know, the curriculum's much more tight because you have your British curriculum, but then you have your Arabic and Islamic on top of that. And you have social studies and moral studies. So there's four subjects that you have to teach here as well. So that makes everything a lot tighter, which is why the day is a lot longer. So um, there's, 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 there's pros and cons to both sides of things. But I mean, ultimately, I always I like to finish with, you know, you walk out and you know for a while the sun's going to be shining at the end of the day. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and you, know, you, you know, you're looking forward to a weekend at the beach or whatever. So... You know, it does have that. I think the weather does make a big difference in terms of your well-being. You know, I remember those those difficult days in in December when you're trudging in in the snow into school, and it's dark <laughs> when you arrive, and it's dark when you leave, and uh, it, it's difficult to, to it's difficult to uh, keep yourself uh, buoyant at those times, isn't it? When uh, <laughs> yes. when, you, when you feel like you've not seen the daylight for a f- for a few weeks. So if, if you could wave a magic wand then to solve the life-work balance problem for teachers, what would it be? Um, I think it's a, trying to get things to work as smartly as possible. And I like, I'm quite, I like things, I, I'm quite, I quite like things to be efficient. And I think efficiency is really key of how the things that you do actually flow into each other. Um, and I do think if I was to wave a magic wand, like I mentioned at the beginning was, trying to move the focus away from teachers being content creators to, to kind of, I don't know, personalizing that. I don't necessarily have the, the outcome, but moving away from um, creating content, you know, like trying to think of resources and develop resources and this type of thing, but actually the resources are already there for you and just going, right, how am I going to personalize these for my kids? Mm. And I think that's, that's really what it's about, what a teacher should be about. You know, I remember sat there, you know, writing those waggles you know, writing those literacy texts and creating PowerPoints and creating this and creating that and making them look great for my children. Um, and thinking about personalising at the same time, but really what I could have done is going, if someone gives me the content and says, right, this is, this is what, what, what you can teach with, these are the videos, this is the, the mediums that you can use, and me just going, right, okay, well, I'm going to use that, that and that because I know this is what's best for my children. And that's really what I see the role of a teacher being in the future um, to make things more efficient. Um, because there's you know things like Twinkle and, and, and Classroom Secrets and all, all the different resource sites out there that have some great content is there for you. Um, it's really should be the teachers who are just going right. I'm going to take that 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 and, and and put that into my class. And I think that's that's what I would like to see happening more in order to help teachers work life balance. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, who's your favourite teacher at school and why? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I remember, I remember my year three teacher, Mr. Oates. He was the first male teacher I'd had, um, and and I think this summarises all educationists in the fact that you never really remember them for the lessons that they do. You remember yeah. them for the things in between. And, and, and when I'm talking about, you know, remote learning, that those are the things that the children will remember. Those live sessions where your teachers sat and wrote, you know, read a story or you had a game of Kahoot online, et cetera. Those are the things that children will remember um, from this period of time. And I, I remember him playing like little um, games and jokes, et cetera. Um, I remember him just little things like pulling a, a, a glue stick top from behind my ear, going, oh, like this, and then putting it back on. And just little things like that where he just made... The environment fun and for me that's what it was all about really I, I really enjoyed just being in this class and just remember laughing a lot and and just being generally quite happy I don't remember any of the lessons that he taught but I remember who he was as a person the, the way he interacted with everybody um and the, and the similarly in my secondary school the one t- teacher that I remember was Miss Barker she was at English and I'm um, as much as a delicious waggle I actually hated English in, in school because I wasn't necessarily very good at it I was a poor speller uh, terrible at handwriting um, and I just I just didn't enjoy the subject really I didn't like reading books um, which is ironic now obviously I lead like literacy waggle etc but um, she just made it fun basically and, and that was it she just made things creative she took content and, and, and made it interesting you know she took Shakespeare and um, and all, 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 all a variety of different um, books and novels etc and just made them fun with lots of drama lots of practical activities because she knew how to engage me and, and the class. And, and that was what it was really about. And uh, yeah, those two teachers really stick in my mind because that, that was really when I discovered stories and I actually ended up doing media studies and 
and and uh, and, and have a developing interest for writing and, and literacy etc and, and part of it I think spawned from those two teachers really. Thank you and finally yeah. then what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I always wanted to be a teacher funnily enough um, I did have some wobbles. Sometimes I wanted to do a bit of design technology. I think in secondary school, when teaching isn't necessarily very cool, when you're a teenager, I did think, yeah. oh, maybe I want to do some media and this type of thing. But ultimately, I kind of always knew that I wanted to teach. I never was sure quite what I wanted to teach in terms of subject. I have a debate of whether to be a secondary art and design teacher or a primary school. But I, I quite like doing lots of different things, which I suppose is why I do vice, I'm do. i a vice principal and I've run a website and write blogs and do blogs and this sort of thing because I, I like to keep myself busy, but I also like to do lots of different things and try new things. So the thought of teaching art and design for the rest of my life in secondary school um, was, yeah, the one thing that I was, I'm not sure whether I could do that for, you know, 40, 40 years or so. So I will... Um, uh, I opted for primary school because I thought at least then I could teach English, math, science, you know, lots of different subjects. Um, I liked working with older kids. So I suppose when I became a year six teacher, that suited me perfectly because I was working with slightly older kids, but uh, prim you know, primary curriculum, et cetera. So I did, I did want to do that, but I suppose I found the best balance with my design, et cetera, because I can I do that with my website, et cetera. So I still pursue that kind of uh, love of design and fine art, et cetera. But, uh, but ultimately teaching was where I wanted to be you've pulled it all in well thank yeah. you so much for joining me um we've talked about some really good things i think um you've given a lot of teachers some things to think about in terms of home learning um especially as you're doing it for so long um mm. so well well done to you for that um, thank you very much but, but yeah thank you thank you so much for i was going to say thank you for getting up early but you didn't i did um, but thank you for joining me. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We'll do, do it next time. I don't know how we'd work it out. I'll have to, I'll have to go and move somewhere in uh, three hours behind you instead, maybe somewhere in America, and then we'll do it that way around. Yeah. All right. <laughs> thank you so All right. much. See you later. Take, take it easy. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. It was great to hear that the live sessions are only 15 minutes long. I know from my limited experience with a four-year-old that it's difficult to keep children engaged via video teaching for any length of time. It also means that teachers only have to find 15-minute slots of no chaos in their homes, although it did make me wonder how difficult my 22-month-old would make it if I were teaching the live lessons. Sitting on your lap is one thing, but screaming down the house and throwing a tantrum, well, that's another. I hope you're finding my podcast episodes useful. Sometimes, you just need to hear it from someone else in the same situation as you. You'll find a link to Waggle Teaching and everything that we talked about in the show notes. If this is the first time that you're listening to the Teacher's Podcast, remember to subscribe and do explore the other episodes as I've had some truly inspirational and knowledgeable guests. It's a really great time to tap into some free CPD. And if you want to request that someone is on the podcast, then you can let us know in our Facebook group called The Teacher's Podcast Community. See you next week. Thank you for listening. The Teachers Podcast is in association with Classroom Secrets, a provider of high quality and affordable teaching resources that children love and teachers trust. To find out more, visit classroomsecrets.co.uk.